Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from digestion to weight loss, autoimmune conditions to fertility, and so much more. But today we're talking about sleep. It is crucial to our health, and a lot of us aren't getting enough good quality rest. And Senya says things like stress or anxiety, a nutritional deficiency, or a hormonal imbalance can be impacting our sleep. Healing Insight can help with those issues and treat you with acupuncture, utilizing calming points on the wrist, on the heart meridian that help you finally relax and sleep, and recommending herbs to calm stress and supplements to balance hormones. I see Senya regularly. She places needles in strategic points and then just lets me rest. I call it an acupuncture nap, and it's like a full night of restorative sleep in about 30 minutes. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn all about all of the treatments she offers. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Pyatt. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And today we actually are talking about nesting because that is so the mode that I am in, Marjorie. My sister texted me the other day and was like, what are you doing? And I listed all of these things and she said, whoa, you are seriously (laughs) nesting because we have baby number three arriving any moment. Arriving um, this week. Gosh, and you know, it it all of a sudden is like, whoa, I got to get some stuff done around here. So I took a few days off of work, which has been super helpful, and I've just been every day trying to work on a little something to feel like I'm organized and like I have a little bit of a handle on my life before we add in a newborn. So what's the list? Like what what do you feel like you have to get done before the baby gets here? Well, you know, we've got to set up the baby's room. And I know that's not super important (laughs) because the baby doesn't even use the room. You know, you kind of find that out on your first baby that you're (laughs) like, oh, I set up this room six months before the baby showed up. And then we're not even in it for six months after the baby shows up. But there are some things that I wanted in this room. So we have a sunroom off of our bedroom. We have an old house. So it's got all these kind of quirky things. So oh, that's my favorite thing about a master, it's, a master bedroom with a sunroom. Yes. It's super magical. Now, yep. the only downside of it is that means that we don't have that fourth bedroom on the yep. second level, yep. you know, so we don't have really enough freestanding bedrooms for every child, which we'll just work through. But that being said, we have plenty of space. So we have this sunroom that we're transitioning into a nursery. But I mean, right now the crib is in shambles. I mean, I told Jay just like an hour ago, the crib (laughs) has got to be put together today just so I can like look at it and know it's together. Right. I ordered window treatments for that room because it's a sunroom. So there are lots of windows and it's the only area of the house that we haven't taken down. There were some pretty nasty window coverings in our house when we moved in. And this is the only place that we haven't redone them yet. And so that's got to get done. 
Yep, I've got to pick up a rug that I've picked out already. Oh. Um, I'm going to get a new light fixture in there. That's another plan. So we're going to do a ceiling fan. So I have to finalize that order. And then it's just organizing. I went to Target on, on on Tuesday and I go to Target probably. I'm the most unique Minnesotan, Marjorie, in that I don't find going to Target calming <laughs> and relaxing. I find it stressful and overwhelming. <laughs> And so I only go to Target probably three times a year. Right. And I mean, most Minnesotan moms will tell you they go three times a week. Oh. They love it so much. Oh, easy. I used to go to Target all of the time, all the time with my kids. And Elizabeth, you'll love this story. So the last time I was in Chicago, there's a Target in right on State Street in downtown Chicago. And I was with my older son, Gar, and we walked in and he just paused for a minute and he goes, every time I walk into Target. It just, it's home to me. Yes. yes. <laughs> because it reminds, That's him, how most him, people it reminds are. him of Minnesota. Because I know. I don't know why. It's just that they're big and there's so much stuff right. and I feel indecisive. And <laughs> right. I don't do that well with large stores. Right. I just, I know that about myself. I'm more of a small store person. So I'm like the anti-Minnesotan in terms of right. just that I don't go to Target all the time. I spent $520. Mm. At Target. Well, that's, Target. The, that's the problem with going to Target is it's yes, really it's so, easy to spend a lot of money. It so is. And I and one of my friends texted me and she said, what did you do today? I said, I went to Target and I spent $500. And she was like, that's what happens when you only go once a year. Yeah. You have to spend. I mean, I was just getting all this stuff. I just, there were, I had to buy a new printer. I had to get diapers. Right. I had to get, I, I mean, I really, I didn't have any diapers for this child. And so I Those picked up you need. several. Those you need. Right. right. And like diaper rash cream and oh, lotions and baby bath things and all this stuff. Oh, Elizabeth, and so, how weird did this feel? It was very weird because I it just felt like, wow, this is really real. I've got to get this stuff done. And then it was, you know, it's organizing closets and it's yeah. planning. I don't have any clothes for this baby, so I'm going to get some from my sisters. <laughs> They're passing them down because they both Whoa. have newborns who are now out of their newborn oh, that's stuff. Perfect. They're perfect. Right. They're already growing. So they've got piles of clothes to give to me because, of course, I'd already given all my clothes away. And then I'm just doing – I bought, like, candles and new hand towels for our bathroom, like the powder bathroom on the main level and just things like that just to sort of go – all these little things that have sort of bugged me right. that I don't have, I just <laughs> You need bought. to fix. <laughs> I oh, that's just, so good. And hence it was $500. Turns out – here's a newsflash – not that hard to do. Not no. that hard to do to fill your cart and have five hundo at Target. As you were talking about getting the diapers and the cream and like I was just having this like sense of it's just such a sense memory of that feeling of trying to gather up and get ready and, and be ready for the baby. But it also just had this a flash of a memory of newborn baby diapers. Oh, they're I know. Like they're the so tiny. <laughs> I showed them to Jay when I got home. I pulled out the package and I said, look at, look at this. Yep. Look at how small this is. Yep. I was like, this is how tiny this person's little butt is going to be to fit in these diapers. And he was like, I can't. He's like, I don't even know. We've done it twice before. It's not like we're newbies at this. No. But we but both just forget. were like. And we have two brand new nephews who are really little who we both hold and whatever. Right. But we both were just like, How? Is it possible? And the crazy thing is at this point, that little person could come out in any moment and be ready to wear that diaper. I mean, a fully formed human I'm just carrying around, which explains why I cannot for the life of me get in and out of my car. I'm just like, 
Oh, gosh. And I'm at the point where when you try to put your shoes on, Marjorino, it's just a full-out huffing and puffing operation. That is where I am. I mean, all these things that are just so, like, magical and wonderful, and I'm delighted about the baby. But there is... There is a reason why at the end of pregnancy, you are like, I've got to be done with this yeah. because it is uncomfortable. Yeah. It's like there's a reason why when you have teenagers, they you know, at the end of high school <laughs> that you're go. like, I've got to be done with this. You've <laughs> yeah, got to go. go. I mean, that's like nature moving things along to the next step. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. And then in the meantime, we had Bernie starting school. So... We're just kind of, and we've got sort of a routine set for the first five weeks of school, and then everything's going to likely shift again, of course, depending on what happens with COVID. So this year is just so bizarre. So I'm piecing all this together, and I'm just trying to find little systems in my house to make things more automated and that I don't have to think about it as much. So that's helping. It's so strange because I have so many friends of all different ages. So they're at all different stages of life. And my life has gotten so, so quiet. I mean, and, and that's a little weird on the other side Yeah, is because my kids are grown up. Everybody's gone. My husband's in Kansas. I'm in Tempe. You just don't have that daily, like so many lists of tasks to care for people just to keep them alive. (laughs) You just got to do that for yourself. I mean, I'm trying to keep everything alive, everything and everybody. It's just I got to feed you, I got to water you, I got to do. All I wasn't stuff. thinking about it in those in that that's, way. That's 100 percent the truth. I'm but, managing everyone's like food intake and then like digestive system constantly. But you're exactly right. You just nailed the 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 stressor because when yeah. you are a parent, especially with young children. You are literally just trying to keep them alive. That's exactly what you're doing. Yes. And I never really thought about that way every day, but you're exactly right. And I think that's what's so strange about my life right now. I only have to keep myself alive. Right. It sounds so peaceful. It's relatively an easy chore, especially in a (laughs) pandemic because I never leave my house. (laughs) Well, and especially when you're on the other side, I mean, you remember what it was like (laughs) to have the mayhem of just, even just the mental headspace this morning of, as we're getting the kids out the door. Yes. And I was so fortunate to be able to take, I took several days off this week, which was the best decision ever of, and I think I'm going to try to do that every year during going back to school week of just yes. taking some yes. days off so that, cause yesterday I was able to go have lunch with my mom and my sister and her new baby oh. and wander around to a couple little shops in Wyzetta, which is of course the cutest town ever. Yes, and then is. I was able to And then Tuesday, I was able to do that big target run and get kind of that stuff done. And then today, I'm getting some things done around the house, too. And so it's just having a little bit of time to myself to get a handle on it where I can focus on their new routines and what I need to do to support that. But then at the same time, then not have to think about work is clutch. Well, we were talking. It should be a national holiday week that you just get off automatically <laughs> the whole week of the first week of school. Uh, if you're we a know that's never going to happen. No, of we course not. Well, welcome to America, happen. right? But talk to me a little bit about because obviously we talk twice a week on the podcast, but I have been particularly impressed with your ability to manage the actual medical side of pregnancy, the healthcare and the stress care of being pregnant, not only just being pregnant, but being pregnant in the pandemic. How have you navigated that? I've gotten help. I I think 
help is important. And I I was doing a really good job of walking a lot at the beginning of this, right. which helped a lot. And I kind of, when it got to be like 90 and humid every day, I sort of hunkered down more right. and stayed in the AC. Walking was helping a lot. And then acupuncture has been a huge thing. And, you know, I, it's no secret. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. I see Senya at Healing Insight. She's a sponsor of our podcast. She loves it so much. And, and I know that lots of nesters have going, have been going too, but go, switching to seeing her once a month. So I, I did her membership plan. So I go once a month. And then at the end of my pregnancy, now I've been going almost every week. I feel like I can just breathe a little bit. And that's been really helpful too, even during the pandemic, particularly when I felt like I was having a really hard time getting into my regular. I mean, I didn't see my, my nurse practitioner who I've seen for 12 years. I did not see her until I was seven months pregnant with this baby. I could not get in with her. I had to, I saw other people and then I had to miss a couple of appointments too, because they canceled them and they weren't, you know, I couldn't get in. I mean, it was really very different this time around. That just seems crazy to me, but you did finally see her. Yeah. There was one point when I had to call the nurse line and say, am I getting prenatal care here? <laughs> Am I getting prenatal care? Just or let not? me know what I just let me know because I need to figure this out. If I'm going to get prenatal care here or not. If I'm not, then I'm gonna have to figure out somewhere else to go. Right. But that's how that's just how it's been. And I don't know. It's it's just taking it one day at a time and then also kind of feeling also good about just like, you know, all this stuff is happening in the world. But we also just have this little joy that's going on and this kind of unexpected like, okay, here we go. We're going to have a third baby. And there's also something really nice about knowing that I've got this leave coming up that I'm just going to focus on home and I'm just going to focus on the baby and I'm just going to focus on the kids and myself. And I can kind of take that breather from work where you know, everybody's just been feeling so much like work is bleeding into home and home is bleeding into work because we're doing so much more from home. And, um, and that's been a hard balance for me too. And so I think kind of removing that one thing from my plate for a little bit is going to be a good thing for me as much as I love where, I mean, I love what I do. It's just, it's a lot. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. I have a a friend that called yesterday and it was very sweet. He was calling just to check up on me and wanted to see how I was doing. And I gave a little bit of the shorter version. I don't have to like. I didn't go into like like my mom and everything else because should have been like listen to best to the nest if you want to find out. Yeah, yeah. it's like (laughs) I didn't go into the full, and I'm doing okay. And so I was just basically said, you know, I'm doing okay, and and then I said, how are you? And he said, you know what, we're really great. And they have two little boys, and they just had another little boy in March. Oh, fun! And he was talking about what having that little boy meant to him through the pandemic. And it's sort of what we were talking about when we did the podcast about Carson and Siri Daly. Yeah. They had had a baby during the pandemic and he said, it's hard not to be joyful when you just have this little beautiful baby in the house. And I thought, I just love that that's, that that's the feeling. And I hope for most people who are having a baby in the middle of the pandemic, because when you first told me that you were pregnant and then the pandemic hit, it was like my stress meter goes like off the charts. 
And instead, I think you've just handled it with an enormous amount of grace. And then I just love the idea that that will continue. And now reading the Carson Daly Siri Daily piece that we read and that we talked about, and then talking to this friend of mine, it was like, oh no, this really is a blessing. This yeah. really is a joyful thing. Because he just he just went on and on about just how great it's been. And I thought that's I know. beautiful. I totally agree. And I think, I mean, that unfortunately, the the flip side of the coin is I think that's really where you see the difference between if you have resources and you don't. Yeah. It's yeah. if you are in a position where no one has lost their job and you're able to maintain your yeah. income and you've got your benefits still and you have all of those things, yeah. then you can really look at it as like, okay, I'm taking... I can learn some lessons from this slowdown and I can be really in the moment and I can appreciate those bigger things. And, and unfortunately I think then the flip side is if you are struggling with any of those financial things or, and you were kind of teetering on the edge before adding something else in can make you feel like you're totally sinking. It's just, I think that's been the hard thing in a bigger picture for, for me in this whole situation is just really starting to clearly, more clearly understand the divide between the haves and the have not. You see that with school. I'm seeing that with like kids going back to school and I'm thinking like, look at all this. I mean, I'm, it's stressful and it's hard and it's scary. And I have every single possible resource that I could need available to me. I have a solid relationship. I have family to help. I have financial resources. Those are Huge that's advantages. Yeah, that's everything. Kids. And if you if you can have those things, then you can really weather through. If you don't, it just gets really scary. So it's I don't know. It's been it's it's fascinating because it's you always are thinking like what's going on in your home, and then also what's happening around you. And those things haven't felt the same to and, me. And that's a big darn deal. <laughs> Hi, Nesters. We take a moment to pause because we want you to know more about one of our incredible guests turned sponsor on Best to the Nest. Annalisha Nimala is the powerhouse behind the Exercise 180 movement and online community. And if you go back to episodes 92 and 143 of Best to the Nest, you're going to get a taste of Annalisha's groundbreaking philosophies on healthy living. But what you should do right now while you're listening to this episode is follow Annalisha on Instagram. Grab your phone, open it right now, then search Exercise 180. That's Exercise 180. 80 and hit the follow button on Instagram. I love having Annalisha's posts show up in my feed. It's my daily dose of inspiration. She shares the best quotes and free mini yoga and Pilates sessions. And she just started doing live chats with inspiring guests. I was honored to be her first guest. You can watch that recent conversation between me and Annalisha by heading to her Instagram page. And I promise you, this is one Instagram account that will not have you feeling less than or too much. In fact, it'll be your regular reminder that you are just the right amount. Annalisha will help you unlearn disempowered patterns of thought and action, and she'll help you exercise your power to initiate and sustain 180 degree transformations in any area of your life. Annalisha helps keep me strong and healthy in mind and body, and she can do the same for you. I mean, I think I've talked about it before, but when Ian and I first got married, he had an English degree and I had a rhetoric degree and then we had to go find our way out in the world. That's, yeah. that's not like you're graduating from law school and you're making no. a No, you weren't headed to Wall Street. No, <laughs> no, not at all. And so we were pretty broke when we first got married. And 
we could always look at it with sort of a sense of humor because we had hope and we had we believed in our own potential and all of those good things. But it, I was clipping a lot of coupons for groceries, and so yeah. it was it was something. And, and you've talked about your past as well. Is that yeah. when you start out in media? There's usually not a lot of money in it, and so you're, there's you're, yes, you're, nothing. You're struggling, and so it made me have a sense of what that felt like a little bit. A little bit. I mean, I'm not putting too fine a point on it. We also had family nets. And so that's not that's not the same. And I know that. But right. at the same time, it made me really grateful when I was raising the kids, particularly when my older was swimming a lot and was eating so much food <laughs> that I always thought, I am so grateful that food is not an issue with yeah. my children. And yeah. that always sort of struck me that if if you're a mom, and I can only think of it from a mom's perspective, of how awful it must be to have food be the struggle. Like if mm-hmm. you're so you're living that close to the line that you you're not feeling like you can feed your kids what they should be eating and how much they should be eating. And it is really quite horrific that we have that problem in this country. Yeah, it totally is. And yeah. it's not lost on me of just being able to go to that Target trip and spend that. Yeah. I mean, and feeling really grateful that I'm able to do that. It's funny that you bring that up because I was just texting my family this morning pictures of Bernie on her way out the door and then the lunch that I packed for her. Because, you know, you got to pack up. I'm, I'm packing up lunch and two snacks and it's like taking up half of my mental bandwidth to figure out what to put in these lunches. And I just have like this idea of her being there and not looking in there and being excited makes me so sad. So I want her to open her lunch and like it. Now I'm not going as far as Pinterest moms who are like cutting everything into smiley faces and like have star cookie cutters to cut out the sandwiches. Like I'm not going that far. That being said, I was pretty impressed with my bento box set up for her for lunch for the last couple of days. So I sent a picture of it. My sister's been making, she's packing them for her son too. So we've been sending back and forth ideas. And my mom was laughing in this text message and she was like, that's a lot better than the halfway frozen turkey on white bread sandwiches that we used to just shove in your brown bag. Oh, and yeah. send out the door. Oh, and yeah. then we were like, that's true. Yes. Okay. And Jenny, my sister wrote, ha ha, I remember the turkey on a frozen white roll with butter. <laughs> like the rolls were always still frozen. And my mom said, you guys make more money than we did. Thank goodness. That oh. was her oh, text. Cute. I mean, she can remember that stress of feeling like yeah. we're, we're barely keeping it together, which I think then for my sisters and I really that did motivate us yes to say we want to build our careers and then we want to we want to have babies after we build our right. careers right and that's that's something you think about which we've talked about before it can be a positive it can also make things tougher if you're trying to get pregnant later on tell me about the frozen thing why cuz i when you said that my dad created an assembly line yep. like on sundays and he would just put miracle whip on white bread with turkey and then he would put them in baggies and then throw them in the freezer, freezer so that he could just grab a sandwich and put it in your lunch bag. Because when you said that to me, we were talking the other day and you mentioned yeah. something about frozen, frozen sandwich sandwiches in your lunch, and it brought back the strongest sense memory for me <laughs> that my mom did that too. <laughs> I, 
think... And then were they still halfway frozen yes. when you ate them? They would and it was like you'd get to the frozen part and be like, oh, man. this is." And then the rest of it was was soggy. You so know, it's soggy on the outside yes. and frozen in the middle. Yes. And it was the strongest memory. And I think there must have been like, I wonder if, and my mom obviously is older than your parents, but that must have been something that was written up somewhere in some magazine. Oh, it's probably in good housekeeping. Yeah. (laughs) That this is the way to like organize your life. And like two generations did this until like we rejected the frozen sandwich thing because it didn't work. It did not work. It was gross. I know. And then now it's the bento box rage. So the bento box is all the thing. And of course, the bento box is a Japanese meal packing tradition, which the Japanese do everything more efficiently and beautifully than we do. And so we have taken this and um and applied it to kids lunches but it has these little compartments and it is kind of fun cuz like today i had cut up cucumbers in one compartment strawberries in one and it's like a little puzzle that i'm putting together oh my every god morning. i would have loved that as a kid i mean what kid oh my doesn't gosh, love a lot of little compartments I like mean- little compartments and then all these things in the little compartments that they can pick out and eat i did these little turkey and cream cheese tortilla pinwheels today you know i just <laughs> rolled it up and cut it and then they're like displayed beautifully. Yeah, we are so and, far from um, the frozen sandwiches. <laughs> it's, it's very far from the frozen sandwiches. Oh, I will say, too, though, it, a lot of it is helping with the planning. Yeah. So yeah. I did do some texting with my sister, and I did look on Pinterest for some <laughs> ideas. And then I just got a bunch of stuff from Costco. So I'm just like, okay, well, what am I going to fit in the compartment today? And then streamlining oh. meal planning, I am convinced, is – the saving grace of families. Yeah. So we've been doing takeout on Tuesdays, mainly because of Taco Tuesday. Right. And so we've been doing takeout on Tuesdays, and then Friday nights we always do pizza and movie night with the kids. So it's just and five. Leaves five. So nights. we just so yeah. So then on the so Tuesdays we know we've got these great little inexpensive taco spots in the neighborhood. So there's a taco truck right on the way home from daycare, and the kids yell, "It's taco! It's the taco truck's open!" So. We'll pull in. They only take cash. Go in. You get 20 bucks worth of tacos and you come home and you're set. And then we've been doing pizza on Fridays. And you're right. It's I think there's something really smart about thinking about the routine of just like knowing, okay, so Tuesdays, this is what we do. Fridays, this is what we do. And then the other nights, you can kind of figure things out. But if you have a plan for at least a couple nights a week, it's really helpful. Well, this is something I've learned about from being around so many chefs is what I did wrong with my children growing up was I didn't meal plan at all because I didn't cook. If we were eating at home, generally my husband was doing the cooking and then a lot of nights we would eat out and I would do that differently. I, I mean, we did what we did and it's fine. And the eating out, the part about that that was wonderful is especially when the kids were in middle school, when when my older son like would get home from swim practice and we could just go eat, we generally would have really long dinner times. For sure. So we would sit and talk. Dinner would be, instead of them coming and grabbing and eating and going, we would sit for an hour and change, you know, of just talking. And so that was really good. But the And one you that, lived in St. Paul, so you could like buzz to great restaurants in two oh, seconds. The Highland Grill. It was our second yeah. kitchen. That was the um, spot. And so I just think that, but what watching chefs and talking them to them about planning and all of that is I do think that is the key, obviously, to saving money so you're not eating out all the time. Right. But is if you really look at it, that how many meals are there in a week? Three meals a day. It's 21 meals. If you're just looking at dinner, of doing it and preparing it like a restaurant would. 
right. just to make it hyper efficient. And that's being in kitchens, being in restaurant kitchens, it's like, oh my God, this is really efficient. Like if my kitchen had been efficient, maybe I would have been inspired <laughs> just a little bit to cook. But the minute you don't have what you need in your refrigerator, the minute you don't have what you need, that's a deterrent. But if you, totally if you plan out, if you really sit down and you say, this is the menu, and I think you, obviously you do this, and I just think it's so smart. And it's so, like you should, like I should have thought as a young mother, like that's a no-brainer, plan it. But I think for me, it was my little rebellion of everything else in my la- my life was so busy and so planned and so all my time was so taken up. It was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing well, that. and if you don't love to cook, yeah. it can be hard to make yourself want to do that. The yeah. other tricks people laugh at my coworkers always laugh at me because of the breakfast options that I have at my house available at any time for my children. But that being said, I mean they'll have like homemade waffles or homemade pancakes or something every day. So but I do that one day a week. One day a week, I make the waffles. So right. like a lot of times, I'll make them on Sundays. And then I store them in a big gallon Ziploc bag in the fridge. And then this morning I just pull them out, microwave them, put some butter and jam on them, and they wolf them down. Right. So we – anything you can do to kind of have things at the ready. Another thing I try to do a lot – I'll get into better grooves about it, but is – Making like a batch of a chicken salad or right. a cold quinoa salad or tuna salad or things like that that are in the fridge that you can just always grab and either like throw on top of a salad or throw on a sandwich or something like that well, and I will be, say, um, be ready to go. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I will say the one upside of having been sort of food disorganized with my kids growing up is I think as an act of rebellion, both of my sons are great cooks. They love to cook. And organized, particularly Campbell, who does what I just marvel at. He does his Sunday cooking. Yeah. And so he really cooks everything. Now, this is this is the weird part. He cooks what he needs for the week, but that means he eats the same thing every night for a week. <laughs> I used to do that when I lived in Green Bay. Did you? Oh my gosh, I would make a soup and then I would eat it every day for a week. And then by the end of the week, I was like, I never want to eat this again. <laughs> I would, and I was vegetarian at that time too. So yeah. I would make all of these things. Yeah, that's what um, he does. And just batch cook it. Oh gosh, I should send him some of my recipes. Oh, he would my love that. that. I used to love back then. He would love that. You should, but, but it is, I, it is odd because I look at them and they are, and I'm sure a part of it is a reaction. It's a reaction like he has no he has real no inclination to eat out much because I think they got their fill of that. And so yeah. it is a reaction to, I think, how they were raised. So there was an upside. I've raised very kitchen-organized men. Um, it is funny that you say that, though, because it makes you think – when you're in the thick of it and you have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and another one on the way and I, and you know, I look back at like my parents and those frozen sandwiches right. and you think, what are the things that will have driven you, your kids crazy mm-hmm. about your house yep. that they will want completely different? Another example, my parents always had the worst toilet paper, even <laughs> now when I go to their house. And I just want you to know my parents are not financially struggling as they were when I was young. They are very financially responsible. They've right. saved. Right. They've stayed in the same house for a long, long time. And they, they're good. And when I went there recently and we were having a baby shower for my sister, I was like, what in the hell is going on here still with this toilet paper situation? How can you have this tiny sandpaper toilet paper in this house this is crazy so they and still are... i think that's like a holdover from when 
they had so little. And I remember right. we always had like just the bad, you know what bad cheap toilet paper is. Oh, you know similar. it. It's yeah. bad. It's yeah. terrible. You know, go to any, any place with a public bathroom and more often than not, it's going to be the cheap. You're going to have it. Toilet. And so yeah. that was always something that we had. You know, a funny thing when I was a kid too, we never had extra batteries and we never had tape. Ever. I could never find those things. Oh, and I am like a psychopath about stocking batteries and stocking tape. Like I will not live a life where I cannot <laughs> find double A's when something runs out of batteries. Because when I was a kid, it was always so – it was like such a big deal to have batteries. We never had them. And oh, we could it. never find them. And we they were never buying them. I will not live a life. Without double A batteries. I will not. I will not. And no, what are the things that are happening around here that my kids are going to grow up? And, yep. you know, and, and it's funny. It's not, and it's not like your kids are going, oh, we never want to eat out. But they're probably saying mom never cooked and I want to cook. And so yeah. I'm cooking. No, no, no. And there's tons of stuff. And that's sort of the fun of having my younger son just turned 27 and my older son's going to turn 29 in two days. And so they're they're grown, grown, grown men. And the fun of that is when you when you've had pretty good life with your kids. Yes. The fun of it now is they can tease me about those things. Yeah. But it comes with no rancor and it yeah. comes with no there's no anger in it. Like no. things like not that I didn't cook, but there's I mean, believe me, raising your kids there's a million things they can they can be mad about. And the food is a big one in our family and I I I I think they also react to, like, when they've reacted to stuff, like, they both – and it's not like my house was cluttered at all, but it's pretty traditional. We would have pretty dishes, and we would have mm-hmm. pretty silverware, and we would have yep. pretty napkins. I have a linen thing, so there was lots of napkins, always cloth <laughs> napkins, and both of them. And the fact that we moved, and they sort of lived through a couple of pretty big moves, because they both can remember moving from the suburbs of Chicago to Atlanta, and then from Atlanta to St. Paul, and then from St. Paul out of that final house of theirs. Right. And I think in their heads, like when you talk about a reaction to your parents' lives, both of them crave finding the place where they'll stick. Yeah. Like they both really crave like, this is my city and I'm staying. Yeah. And they both really reject stuff. So, and I think part of that is having had to move stuff They've rejected having a lot of it, and so yeah. th- there are there are things that come out of the way that that you grow up that you definitely either accept or reject. And luckily, they've accepted some really nice things from the way that they were raised. But but I think those were the things that definitely had an impact on them growing up. And and the tape thing I find very amusing. Never tape because Always. I can so get from your parents. Tape was expensive. I know. Tape is expensive. And you just can't have, like, luxury tape laying around. No. No. And now, and you know, too, because your kids find the tape. Like, I have tape, but I have to hide the tape. Otherwise, Bernie's taping things everywhere, and then there is no tape. It's it's just a fascinating thing. On that note, when we talk about things that annoyed our children growing up, so I'm sort of sorting through everything we have in Tempe because we're either going to sell or we're going to rent this townhouse here. And so I'm going through everything. So I went up to the bathroom that both of my sons lived in briefly when they were both getting their masters. They lived upstairs in our townhouse. And the one thing I can never find in this house is nail clippers. (laughs) And when you need to clip your nails, 
there's nothing more annoying. And I like my nails super short. Like I don't like nails at all. I don't like the feeling of it. Yeah, I feel that way too. And it's so annoying when you can't find a nail clipper. So I go up into the, what I call the boys bathroom. I go up there and I'm cleaning out sort of there. There's a closet in the bathroom and I'm cleaning it out. And in the back corner, I am not kidding you, seven nail clippers. (laughs) So, so your kids are minimalists and plan ahead, but they're nail clipper hoarders? Well, apparently. So I called Campbell and I'm like, Campbell, what the hell? Why are there seven? And he said, because I could never find any. And he said, so I found every every one that we had in the house and I shoved it in the closet so that I would always have one. And that's why when you would always come to me and say, hey, do you know where the nail clippers are? I could always produce one for you. <laughs> so annoying. So annoying. annoying. Okay. Well, fun note before we go, if you, if you want a little bit of funny, fun, lighthearted inspiration for organization, go on Netflix and watch the home edit show. Is it good? The home edit is two girls that are based in Nashville. I followed them on Instagram for a long time. They're funny. They're kind of over the top and, and they do each episode. They organize a celebrity home and then also a regular person home. So they organized Reese Witherspoon's movie memorabilia, Marjorie, which you'll love because you'll love to see all of her like Academy Award dresses and things like that. And then they organized a doctor, like a female doctor whose closet was just a disaster. They organized her closet, but their tips and tricks that they offer within the episodes of ways to organize your things and fold your things and display them in a way that's efficient and also beautiful is really lovely. So watch the home edit on Netflix. I will. I've been curious about that because this is, I'm pretty sure this is out of Reese Witherspoon's production company. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Oh, that's wonderful. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. And now I have to say, I don't have a new review. (laughs) So somebody write to us and tell us something nice. <laughs> we would like that very much. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best to the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. I will say, Marjorie, our Best to the Nest Facebook group. I've been approving lots of people who've been joining. Oh, so fun. welcome. We're happy that you're here. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.